You're listening to the West Side Podcast, a part of the L.A. International Church of Christ Family of Churches, worshiping God in L.A. since 1989. You know, we are a worldwide congregation, and uh, this is a picture from Zambia. Not only are we here in America, but throughout the world. This is uh, the Zambian church uh, celebrating their 20th anniversary. So, uh, in Africa... And then I have great news today as well. A good friend of mine, one of my best friends uh, in South Carolina, he's being appointed as an elder in the Charleston Church. So you know you're getting old when your best friends are getting appointed as elders and stuff like that. So bittersweet in some ways. And then uh, in uh, Denver this uh, next uh, uh, this, last, this year here in September, we're going to have a youth, and fam- youth ministry parenting, and uh, it's a family conference. As well, So there's a lot of stuff going on around the world, and I want to just welcome those who are visiting with us to, for the first time, or you've been with us for a little while and you're trying to figure out who we are, uh, that's who we are. We really believe in sharing the gospel, uh, not only locally, but throughout the world as well. Welcome. And a special welcome to a brother from Melbourne, Jack. Let me get you to stand on up. Jack from Melbourne. All right. Uh, Jack is on a layover. You, you look like a Jack from Melbourne. So, awesome. You know, uh, as we started off the year, we're preaching about uh, worshiping God. And our theme for the year is to renew. And we talked about renewing our relationship with God and uh, renewing our relationship with one another. And uh, from the scripture here, it talks about just worshiping God acceptably with reverence and all, that God is a God who is worthy of our worship, but not only our worship, but genuinely acceptable worship, and with reverence, and with awe, and that's what we're trying to do here in the West Side, is to love God with all the heart, mind, soul, and strength, and to love our neighbors as ourselves. That's really undergird everything that we do, and who we are as a people, and we talked about a few weeks ago how Loving for God and loving people is inextricably tied in together. And in 1 John it says that it is impossible that uh, if we say we love God, but we don't love our brothers and sisters whom we see. So those things are tied in together. It's not some ethereal thing that we're talking about, you know, going off to a mountain, and uh, I think that's okay too. But that's not all we do, you know, that we, how we treat our neighbors, how we treat our, our co-workers and our school friends, that's, that's really a reflection of our love for God. And I remember two weeks ago, you know, Todd talked about that word. I, I dream about it. Kadosh, 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 right? Holy, holy, holy. You know, is this, who is God? That he is a holy God, that uh, we worship God. You know, today we're going to talk about that a little bit more and how that played out in Jesus' ministry. How did he love people when he was here? You know, you, you think, right, Jesus, you know, God, he could have just sent down a big Bible and says, read this, and, you know, final exam is, is coming up, and that's all you need. But he sends his son to come down and to, to really model for us what that looks like. And I'm so grateful for that, because we get to see scripturally and just how deep the Bible is about how Jesus lived his life, 33 years or so of his life here, three years of that in public ministry. And as we read the Bible, you know, we, we, we also see that, you know, people, whether they believe in God or not, they find that the truth in scriptures are universal. 
You know, Larry Crabb is one of the most um, esteemed, I guess, uh, Christian psychologists, writes a lot of books, and he sums up, you know, what the human need is all about, and he sums it up in two things. He says, really, if you were to boil down people, there are two things that people need. There are two things that they need. And he says, people are thirsty for love, relationship, and impact, significance. He says, if you were to boil it all down, what are the things that people need? Love and significance. Isn't that true? We need to be loved, and we need to know that there's a sense of who we are on this earth and why we are here. And why did God make us here? And I think we get in trouble when we lack those two things. You know, there a long time ago, there was a song, I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit older now, you know, by, I forgot even who it was, it was from that movie, and it's, you know, looking for love in all the wrong places. All right, some of the older folks here go, yeah, I love that song. It's okay song, all right? But that's what it is. I mean, we get in trouble when we look for love. And we try to find it in all the place, wrong places. And I appreciate what Dusty shared today. I'm so proud of her. I'm sitting, I'm thinking, this, this, she's a kid. I mean, this lesson that she's learned, people don't learn that. Even as they get older and older and older, you know, that they, they search and find it. And, and Desi says, I found it. I found the answer. You know, so that's what Larry, Larry Crabb is talking about. He says, look, we need this. We need love and significance, and I want to put an addendum to that in that if we don't find it in God, we're going to be disappointed when we look somewhere else. Okay? The title of our lesson today is simply entitled Spirit and Truth. So we talked about how loving God is inextricably tied into loving one another. That's how we see what loving God looks like. And today we're going to talk about how loving God is not just this feeling that we have. It is both in spirit, the spirit of God, but also it's in truth as well. We live in a world today where truth is so elusive, right? We don't know what it is. Even in the modern, oh man, I, I, I can't even watch the news these days. It's, just, it's, just, it's just discouraging. It's, it's disheartening, to be honest with you. But I appreciate the Bible. The Bible's unchanging. Let's go back to scriptures, Amen. Spirit and in truth. And we're going to read this and we're going to walk, work backwards. Okay? Oh, there's a monitor there. I didn't even know there was a monitor there. Sorry, John. I was like, over here. I was like, the guy I was like, wait over here. All right, it says, we're going to walk backwards. We'll read this. This is towards the end of it. This is the climax, all right, of Jesus' conversation with this woman. And he finally just had to tell her. <laughs> they were talking to somebody like that and they don't get it. He had to go, let me just tell you what I'm trying to convey to you. He says, you Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. Can you handle that? Right? 2017, sometimes it's so hard to speak the truth, because you got to be, you got to say it right. you got to say it, you know, in the right tone, the right way, the right to the right people. And there is a place for that. But somewhere that gets lost as well because sometimes we get so sensitive. And I appreciate what Desi shared. Yes, I'm looking for ways to be mad at these people. I give you one chance and one chance only. Yeah, you blew it. You know, Jesus took a chance with this woman. 
And we're going to go backwards, like I said. He says, listen, salvation comes from the Jews. Not everything is right. Not everything is right. There's something, yeah, if everything is right, you know, then there's nothing wrong, right? There is right and wrong. He said, yet there is a time that is coming and has come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. You see, God looks throughout the world and he does look for people who are sincere. He does look for people who are striving to worship him in spirit, but also in truth. What does that mean? That means that there is a truth out there to be had. But we need to strive for that. We need to care about that. Amen? Spirit and in truth. Well, we're going to start at the beginning. And, you know, Jesus' ministry was about three and a half years. And the impact of that we still feel today. And you think that he did a lot of great miracles. You know, he moved a lot of mountains and convinced a lot of people. But, you know, a lot of his ministry is really encouraging because we can do exactly the same thing. It's not like we have to be great miracle workers. But these conversations that he had with people, these talks that he had with people, were the miracles in themselves. The Word of God changing people's lives. Let's start off in John 4. Now he had to go through Samaria. So he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. If you know anything about history, Samaria is the bad part of town. You've heard about the Good Samaritan, right? Today we're going to read about the Bad Samaritan and this woman. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down at the well, and it was about noontime. Samaria, if you know anything about history, it's an awful place for the Jews. The Jews hate Samaria so much that they, they just didn't want anything to do with it, even though it was the shortest distance from Judea to Galilee. Jews would oftentimes walk around it. It's kind of like the bad neighborhood of our day. We go around it. We don't have to go through there unless we really have to. Love and significance. I felt so ashamed of myself this past week. I went down to the flower market. Have you been down to the flower market in uh, downtown L.A.? You see, for years I've been getting Lena's flower from Costco. And although she appreciates it, but somewhere along the line, it's almost, it's a little bit not as special because I pick up the milk, I pick up the nuts, I pick up, you know, whatever, and I pick up some flowers, right? And although she appreciates it, well, this year I wanted to go down to the flower market and to go out of my way. And I had to go through Skid Row. You have to go through Skid Row to go to the flower market. Couldn't find any parking. And I found this parking, I was far away, so I walked to the flower market. I, I saw this man... And um, he, uh, he asked for a dollar, but he was going to give me something in return, these trinkets that he had found. And uh, I gave him the dollar, which meant absolutely nothing to me. Not much. And I talked to him a little bit, and he said, hey, listen, I, I, it's 50 cents per trinket. I said, no, nah, no, nah, you, you keep it. I don't need it, you know. So I gave him the dollar, and he begged me to, 
here, here's a trinket. You've got to have it. It's 50 cents each. I'll give, you, I'll give you two. And I thanked them and made small talk, and I walked away. And as I walked away, I wish I could have gone back and taken the trinkets. Because I think for him, it meant a lot to him to give me those trinkets. And I felt so ashamed of myself. I felt like I am so selfish. I didn't want, you know, I just read that, you know, I didn't read the book, but, you know, I was reading that book about, you know, downsizing and throwing stuff out of your house. and I just didn't want an extra thing in my house. It was an inconvenience to me. I wish I'd taken the trinkets. I think it would have meant so much to this person. More than the dollar that I had given him. You know, Samaria was kind of like that for the Jews. You see, they, these Samaritans were half-breed people. In 722 B.C., they were kicked out of their, their land. It was from the tribe of Ephraim, that area there. And their conquerors had taken some of them out, transplanted some people in. They were, they were mixed-breed people. And they were dirty and unclean to the Jews. As a matter of fact, centuries later, when the Jews came back to Jerusalem after their own captivity, the two tribes, they start building a wall. They wanted to build a wall around their city in Jerusalem. And sounds a little bit familiar. Um, and then the Samaritans try to fight them and not building the wall. Well, years later, as Jesus was walking, and I, this is what I appreciate about Jesus, he didn't have to go through Samaria. He could have gone through around just like all the other Jews. But the Bible says that he had to go through Samaria. He had to go through Samaria. That's what it means to be a Christian. That's what I think. You don't have to, but yes, you have to. You don't need to, but yeah, you need to. So he went through Samaria, and it was so intense that this is like for the Samaritans that some of the Pharisees prayed that no Samaritan will be raised in the last day. Not a single one. This hatred, it's, nothing's changed. Right? When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into town. And she asked him, how can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. You know, Jesus initiated with this woman. And he took the time to find out who she was. And the Bible says, she asked, he asked her for a drink of water, and we think, well, how, what's, what's the point? It's so significant, so significant that this woman reacted so strongly towards his, own, his question, that he broke the norms of the local convention at that time. It wasn't just because she was a woman, but because she was a Samaritan as well. She knew the rules. Jesus didn't know the rules. You know, as Christians, as we live by spirit and in truth, the spirit of God is that we don't know the rules of this world sometimes. There needs to be some etiquette that we need to follow, but at the same time, we need to break some of those etiquettes. Amen? And Jesus says, listen, I don't care what the rules are. Please give me some water. Love and significance. Just a small way of really giving this woman some worth, that you can do something for me. You don't have to be a CEO. You don't have to be whatever. Just 
give me some water. That, you can do that, right? But from the conversation, I think a lot of times, I, I look at that and I go, you know, I tried, right? And that's it. I, you know, my neighbor, hey, you know, before he goes into the garage, you know, and that's it. And that's the extent of it. But as Christians, we're actually called to love our neighbors as ourselves. And to worship God is to extend ourselves further and further and further out. And there's two ways we can look at that and go, wow, what a burden. Or you go, wow, what a great way to live. What a great way to live. And Jesus, he's fishing, he's trying so hard. Even fighting this woman's own prejudice and the chip on her shoulder against the Jews who had looked down on her and probably she was thinking, yeah, you probably have nothing to do with me except for now you need a cup of water and you're asking me and talking to me at this time. You know, I want to talk a little bit, transition about worth here a little bit and something that relates to our modern world today. Nobody would give that woman the time of day. And they, as we will look at later on, as a matter of fact, people would actually use her. And we're in 2017, and maybe there is no woman at the well. Maybe we don't have that guy. There is, actually. But not, we don't come across that every day. But what we do come across is pretty startling. Okay? Here's a stat from the Barner Group uh, from 2016. It says that when they talk to, about porn with friends, talking about teens, and youths. 89% of teens and 95% of young adults says that they do, do so in a neutral, accepting, or encouraging way. That is only 1 in 20 young adults and 1 in 10 say that their friends think viewing porn is a bad thing. It's, it's become so normal that this kind of spirit has become so normal that only 1 in 20 think that even there's something wrong with it. Okay? And it's not just relegated to teens. This is ministers, okay? It says that most pastors that are, this is an anonymous um, poll, 57% of pastors and 64% admit that they've struggled with porn, either in the past or today. It's so ugly. It's so prevalent in our society. 32% says that viewing porn is usually or always wrong, compared to 56% who says not recycling is usually or always wrong. So we have a society that goes, you know what, we care a lot about the spotted owls. We go out of our way to save and recycle. And if we don't, that's a bad thing. But to look at someone, whether in pixels or or in magazines, that's what it was for me when I was growing up. I didn't have internet back then. That, that's kind of warped, don't you think? That's kind of warped. So we're talking about people. We're talking about value, right? We're talking about initiating with people. And I want to turn us around today that this is not an innocent thing that we do. That we're not like the world where we're consuming these things and to say that, hey, look, it's all right. No one's getting hurt here. That is not true. 
You know, Jay Leno, this guy bothers me, to be honest with you. And if, Jay, if you ever Google my sermon, you bother me. Because I think Jay Leno made porn so mainstream in his conversation. And here, here's what I say to that. I think if we're not careful, if we're not discerning in what we watch, what we allow to go into our minds, we're going to adopt the same spirit as what the world says. He's making fun of this guy who in his past had a porn background who ran for district attorney or something like that. And he says at the end there, he says, this guy is a lawyer and a politician. Being a porn star is the most honest thing on his resume. That's the most decent thing. Ha, 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 ha. It's not funny. It's an abuse of people. I have three daughters. It's an abuse of human beings. You know, when I was in college, I struggled with porn, magazines mainly. Uh, One time we went to a strip joint in downtown San Francisco, and I remember it kind of cured me, actually. It was kind of good. I went in there. It was a quarter machine. You put the quarter in. You sit down. You put the quarter in, and and the, the screen raised up, and in the middle was a carousel of three women, and these people were clearly on drugs. And you get a minute for 25 cents. And I thought to myself, this is the most decrepit thing I've ever seen. And I'm not talking about the women, I'm talking about myself. That I would do that for somebody, for my own enjoyment. It's a sad world. It's a sad world. Tanya Burleson, they interviewed her. She was a former sex worker. She says, guys are punching you in the face. She's talking about the porn world. You get ripped. Your inside can come out of you. It's never ending. You're viewed as an object, not as a human being, but a spirit. People do drugs because they can't deal with the way they're being treated. You know, this is... 2016, I think. Let me read you something that was written 2,500 years ago in in the book of Habakkuk. He says, Woe to him who gives drinks to his neighbors, pouring it from the wineskin till they are drunk, so that he can gaze on their naked bodies. You know, the Bible says here, Woe to him who is the consumer of these things. Why are we talking about this today? Because we need to talk about it. We need to talk about the world that we live in today and what we're dealing with and how to deal with our hearts. What do we allow ourselves to consume? What do we allow ourselves to look at? What, what do we care about? What do we feel about? What do we, what do we think? Because the Bible says, woe to him who consumes these things because it hardens our hearts. It allows us not to worship God in spirit, and in truth. The numbers are really staggering. If it was like 10%, maybe, you know, and I'm not talking about pointing fingers. That's why I'm sharing these stories. I myself, it, 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 it's human nature. Okay? It's sinful human nature. That's not who Jesus was. Amen? Amen. He took the time. He talked to this woman. This woman that had no business talking to the Son of God, but he did. 
Go back to Scripture, it says in verse 10, it says, Jesus answers, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that asked you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. The potential was there. Okay? The point is, will she recognize who he is? A lot of you guys are here. A lot of you guys have, like, I appreciate what Desi shared. She's been in the church since two years old. Sometimes it can be right in front of us and we miss it. Jesus says, woman, listen, if you just knew who you're talking to, you can have the world. You know who this guy is? If you had invested in this company when it first started, a decent amount of money, you'd be a millionaire today. You know who this guy is? Well, the one before is Bill Gates. This guy is Stephen Bezos. Uh, Jeff, Jeffrey Bezos, right? You know who Jeffrey Bezos is? Chances are you use his company all the time. He's the founder of Amazon. Okay, he's a kid, right? Look at this door come in. Like, <laughs> we, we, we all look like that. Come on. I got a good friend of mine who says, Ken, if you want to stay humble, keep a high school picture of yourself. I'm sorry, high school guys. Okay. Oh, that was retaliation, Michael. All right. This is Amazon stock. If you knew 20 years ago, if you had $5,000 20 years ago, if you invested $5,000 20 years ago, $5,000, today that amount would be 2 million $200,000. You know, how could it be? Because of what they call stock splits, right? Some of you guys are in stock markets. You know that companies split their shares. You got 100 shares. Sometimes when they're doing well, they'll split it. They'll give you 200 shares. And it's, 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 it's exponential. If you only knew, right? How many of us invested in Amazon in 1997? Dogs! You know, bummer! I got some good news for you. If you missed out on that, I want to offer you something else. Okay? I want to offer you something else. Look at what Jesus said. Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give him will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give him will become in them spring of water welling up into eternal life. You get the whole, what do you call that? You get the whole enchilada, all right? You get the whole enchilada. Forget about $2,200,000, you get more than that. So if you missed out on Amazon, I got a better deal for you. Invest in Jesus. Spirit and in truth. The woman says, you know, how can I get this? And he challenged her. He tried, she tried to change subject on him, and he challenged her, go call your husband. Let me close out with this. You get two things when you invest in Jesus. Okay. Number one, he challenged her. He says, listen, you don't have a husband because you had five. 
And the guy that you have now is not your husband. It's true. And look what she says. And this is what you get when you get in Jesus here, okay? Sir, the woman says, I can see that you are a prophet. The first thing you're going to get when you invest in Jesus is that you're going to see that he's a prophet. He's going to tell you the truth. In a world where truth is so scarce, buy into some truth. It's a great investment. Okay? Not only is he a prophet, look what he says here. He says, the woman says, I know that the Messiah is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus declared, I, the one speaking to you, I am he. You get the truth. The prophets tend to speak the truth. It's painful. If you can handle it, it's $5,000 or more. But it's going to change your life. But not only are you going to get the truth and the prophet side, but you're going to get the Messiah side as well, the spirit side as well. Spirit and in truth. What's the point? Let's go back to Jesus. Let's imitate. Let's imitate. Amen? We are called to worship God in spirit and in truth. And sometimes the truth hurts. But it's the greatest investment we'll ever make. Let's pray. Father, we're so grateful to you. God, we're grateful that you sent your son down to teach us, to set an example for us, to tell us the truth, and to die for us as a Messiah as well. Father, help us to love people. God, help us to care about people. Help us not to be like the world who harden their hearts and to use people and to abuse people to our own detriment. But Father, help us to love our neighbors as ourselves. Father, we're thankful to you, God. We're so grateful. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. You've just listened to the West Side Podcast. For more information about our ministry, please visit thewestsidechurch.com or laicc.net.